Welcome to the Essay for FAs Asset Allocator Podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest of financial advisors, including ETFs, asset allocation, and the economy. I am your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today we'll discuss the smoke and mirrors involved in the marketing of investment models, plus a very unexciting, even hated model that actually apparently works. About two weeks ago, I released a podcast on portfolio models, and I'm revisiting the topic mainly because of a little, almost parenthetical remark I saw in an article by BlackRock's Martin Small. The article provides a nice lay of the land of this burgeoning business, which BlackRock estimates at $2.7 trillion in advisor-managed assets. My previous podcast was largely favorable to the use of models, arguing that outsourcing the investment management could in some cases help advisors devote themselves to what the client really needs, be that behavioral coaching or financial planning. The point I very much liked in Martin Small's article was very basic, but also very true and not acknowledged often enough. He said that what really matters most in investing is first, and I quote, time in the market, maintaining the discipline to stay invested even during rough patches. The second is asset allocation, choices about the mix of stocks and bonds, end quote. The first essentially says, stay invested almost regardless of how you're invested, The second says your broad investment choices will shape your investment outcomes so you needn't sweat the details so much. I'm going to try to prove that to you with an interesting and surprising study I recently saw, but not before pouring some cold water on those details that people usually do pay attention to. Every model merchant thinks they've got the best mousetrap out there. Every newsletter writer and investment service think they've got the best investing system. Some back this up with historical data. Some actually believe it, but some modelers are just marketers. Two come immediately to mind. One manages gazillions of dollars in assets. I happen to know him, and some people seem to love him and some hate him. I think he's a genuinely intelligent and very decent chap, and despite the fact that his extremely savvy marketing implies how well you do investing with him, I managed to check his performance many years ago and found it to be incredibly mediocre. This fellow, a savvy businessman, subsequently found a way to keep Snoopy journalists or investors from checking this, and the information is no longer publicly available. So despite the fact that his books and articles revealed him to be, as he indeed is, super smart, in the end, like so many gurus out there, he simply lacks the magic to achieve sustained market-beating performance. I can think of another really smart money manager who has enjoyed much more than the allotted 15 minutes of fame and who had a shiny hedge fund attracting lots of assets. Unlike the first guy who wrote about specific investments, this fellow's approach incorporated anthropology, sociology, and behavioral economics and invited investors to wonder why they seemed unable to keep up with the S&P 500. His own whiz-bang model was introduced as a sort of cure for this. I closely questioned him on that and found he had no real answers as to why people failed to keep up with the market, nor convincing explanation as to how his model would cure these defects. In the end, like the first fellow, it is just savvy marketing. Both of these money managers have reasonable enough models. Investors who stick with either would be fine, but the problem is they nearly never do. And that is the point I told you at the outset that I tried to prove with a model that probably no one thinks is ideal. Indeed, which many consider to be decidedly inferior, if not downright evil, and yet which has led to relative outperformance. Ready? Here goes. Variable annuities. 
Even the government offers warnings about the potential abuse and sales of these products, and the consumer press despises them, as do many honorable financial advisors, primarily because of high sales commissions and high surrender fees. Comes along investment consultancy Dalbar, which has studied and confirmed now for a quarter of a century that investor performance is decidedly inferior to the performance of the mutual funds that they own, mainly because people don't just stick with them but buy and sell at all the wrong times. Dalbar's latest data found that variable annuity owners did much better than mutual fund investors, despite and ironically maybe because of their higher fees, especially those hated surrender fees. In periods ranging from 12 months to 19 years and everything in between, variable annuity investors beat mutual fund investors. Turns out their owners were reluctant to pay 7% surrender fees during market declines. Now that's a behavioral model for you. I'm not saying VAs are the perfect solution, but I do make the following point. Most investors spend a lot of time comparing different investments' exciting details, fund holdings, or strategies when the keys to their success are actually finding an appropriate investment and sticking with it. So whether you as an advisor prefer to devise your own portfolios or shop for models, just know that your key added value is ensuring that your clients have a prudent asset allocation that they stick with. One inherent difficulty with this is that many clients feel that that is not enough. Okay then. Find other ways to enhance their financial well-being, and by all means, market your services. But at the end of the day, changing horses midstream appears to be most investors' biggest stumbling block. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast useful, consider leaving a review on Apple or Google Podcasts so that others might discover this series. Meanwhile, you can contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com if you have feedback or requests, and make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts.